0: To the Tenuous Links podcast, home of the Golf Barons, offering bloviated opinions on all things golf, discussing the game's biggest problems and some solutions to them as loosely as possible. Come at some swagger Swing.
1: Hello, Barons. Now, we have another guest today, and one of our most popular podcasts from uh, 2021 was the one involving the night. We call her the night. It's Francis Shane. And it was about Fran's story in golf uh, and it was about um, the belly laughs and the journey and and a few of the things that go on with the game of golf. But I wanted to get it back on because after our last podcast, we had a chat, uh, and unfortunately I'd stopped recording, about some of the, the quirks and strange things and reasons why things happen in golf. And I thought, why don't we just try and address as many as we can in one little podcast. So, without any further ado, I better welcome our guest today, the Knight, Francis Shane. How are you?
0: Thank you. I've never been called the Knight so many times in the space of so little time, I guess. But it's thank
1: you. only just beginning, Knight. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, tell me, how's your form? First of all, we better start with, with how is your firm? And have you had any belly laughs of light? Because that was one that, that also resonated.
0: <laughs> the I- idea of making golf fun. I Well, since I last spoke to you, I had a birthday in the sort of mid-January time and somebody who listened to the podcast, a friend of mine, um, gave me uh, a egg box full of um, golf balls based <laughs> purely on hearing the story about a rando giving me. Um, so that that was a, a very nice golf balls that I think um, that her husband had found somewhere. So that has been good, I haven't has my handicap improved no, not at all um but uh I've had yeah the, the the normal amount of fun that I always seem to have when I play golf with with my friends, so yeah it's been good.
1: Have you hit a shot for the first time since we last spoke?
0: Do you know what? I would say that my short games improved um since we last spoke uh because I seem to go in cycles where either I'm good. I'm good at one thing and then sh- terrible at everything else. I nearly saw them, but I didn't. Um, and at the moment, my short game seems to be pretty good, but that will change. And then I, I can't, I won't be able to chip for anything. And then I'll go back to being, uh, you know, it, it never it works that everything's good all at the same time. But I imagine that that's golf.
1: No, well, ask Bryson DeChambeau about that. But, but in terms of what, what do you put it down to then? So if you were able to actually nail it down as to why all of a sudden your short game is good. Is it actually become good because everything else became crap or was it something you are doing?
0: I think it goes in, I get really frustrated that my short game is bad and then I decide that I'm not going to care anymore and because I don't care, it becomes good. So when I part, I'm like, I don't care if this goes in because I'm so over it now and then it goes in. And so when you take out, when I take out that care factor, always things seem to get better. And so now I just need to not care at all about the entire game of golf and I will be good. But of course, it doesn't always work out like that.
1: So one of the earliest discoveries you've made about the game of golf is the less you care, the better you play. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) But then if you go in thinking I'm not going to care about golf today, you are actually caring about golf. So you have to kind of go in and start talking about something else and then forget that whether you care or not. <laughs> uh,
1: and this is the art. So so Kipper talks a lot about cadding and the art of, of the caddy being to have conversations where the minute you've hit a bad shot, and he spoke about Tiger Woods, within 10 seconds of hitting a bad shot, it's gone. And yeah. so therefore you only need to care for the three seconds of a swing and preparation uh, unless you're some of the players who take a minute and a half to putt. You can actually shorten it down in a round of four hours of a game of golf to 10 minutes of caring (laughs) and three minutes and 50 of not giving a stuff (laughs) and belly laughing. I
0: I am an overthinker with a lot of shots as well. So I like to have someone talking nonsense at me so that then I'm too busy listening to them to care and that seems to work. So everything they probably tell you in the, um, the manuals about how to play golf, if I do the opposite, I seem to play a better game. What
1: would they know? Uh, and have you ever actually tried talking literally out loud while you're hitting balls?
0: Oh, I do it all the time. I don't care. It's just a game of golf. Um, what else do we while say? You swing- but this is while you're swinging. Relax, relax, relax. Yeah, yeah, relax, relax, relax. It's just a game of golf. I don't give a f- various expletives. I should have taken up tennis. That's the other one I <laughs> say when I um, when I swing. Um who cares it's just a a walk on a Sunday afternoon with a few you know a few golf balls involved I can tell myself a lot of things to try and take the pressure off myself
1: do you at least get the rhythm right on the so is the backswing I should have taken up and the downswing is tennis I mean have you worked out (laughs) that it's like a three to one word swing backswing downswing ratio at at (laughs) least you can give yourself some positive tuition
0: I should I should try and work out where my good shots are and exactly where I say the word tennis to um to do that every time.
1: Because Tim I think it was a there was a book written by a, a, I think W Timothy Galway which was all about um back hit. I mean it was this idea but actually the idea of saying it out loud of one two three hit or back hit and not being afraid to do that because it removes um I actually was, speaking I think it was the to end of the game of golf
0: someone the other day and for some reason he said that he always says the words which is a this is a tube station in london he says mornington crescent as he hits the ball and for some reason everything just the 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 rhythm of what he's saying the way that he says it it kind of works for him and he was like you need to find your mornington crescent and i was like that's a that's a fairly random way of ensuring that you have a good shot
1: and in germany um the uh, the stations would all be running on time, whereas <laughs> on the tube, every now and again he'd get his timing out because he'd actually go to hit it and realise that he's running three minutes late. So I'm not sure that Mornington Crescent <laughs> is the answer, but have you thought about a station that could be your swing solution, mate?
0: Piccadilly Circus would be – my game is like a three-ring circus, so that would probably be the closest to that, but yeah. Fantastic.
1: No, You're, okay. So your job between now and the next time we chat – is to determine what station is your best rhythm. It's and, in fact, best. here's a tip from the night for everyone who's listening <laughs> is if you want to find a rhythm, because I've got a theory about songs, it is that songs have to be played. Funnily enough, I've got a theory. But a song doesn't sound right unless it's played at a certain cadence. So, therefore, find a song that matches your swing or the swing that you want. So, you,
0: so clearly, that's uh, soft rock maybe Would, would be played at a very (laughs) – I'm not casting any aspersions as to your musical taste, but maybe that would be played very loud. I was, yeah. Um,
1: Well, I think certainly my my rap um, genre does not work out very well um, when it comes to that. But there is an idea that – and a lot of it is jazz, funnily enough, um, Mm. that a lot of it is it, it can only be played at one speed so all the single ladies, all the single ladies. I mean, like you can't speed that up and slow it down and have it still make sense. So you find a song that matches the swing rhythm you want and then if you're singing that song in your head.
0: And what's your song?
1: Obviously, I don't have a song. I'm too busy not caring because what happens is I get that theory and then two holes later after hitting eight bad shots, I've moved on. So you
0: moved on to a new theory. Oh, yeah, That's- we've
1: moved on to a new theory. But um, enough about theories, but quirks and myth- what I've said, misconceptions or misconceptions about the game of golf, there, there are a number of them, and I did ask you to to give some thought, and you threw a few at me, because um, there are some, some a lot of them that don't make sense. So I'm happy if you want to serve or I'll, return I'll, serve.
0: I'll throw, I think we may have covered this a bit last time, but the one that's come up for me fairly recently um, was what happens if you don't want to give a gimme, but someone said, oh, "I'm just going to take a gimme on that," and you actually want to go, "Hang on, no, I wouldn't. That's that's a fair way to get it in the in the hole." Is there a is there a form of saying, "I think you're just about to cheat," or do you just go, "Well, this is, you know, it will all come right in the end," and I'm a bigger person and I'm a better person?
1: Um, wow, well, you've started at a very <laughs> at an incredibly Difficult level, gimmies. Gimmies are are one of the strangest things. As we saw at the Ryder Cup, there is an expectation of, I'm that good, you're going to give me this. Um, When the minute you expect to be given a putt, it means you're likely to miss it and therefore you should hold it anyway. And the minute you're pissed off. Is that
0: universal or is that just you?
1: No, I think the only people who are pissed off when they don't get a gimme are people who are worried that they're only an eight out of 10. To get it in and if you're any less than 95 percent you should not be given it uh we go away playing an event every year at the uh what we call the walker cup uh it had its 40th anniversary this year i'm not going to say who won my trophies over there and um for the first time gimmies have been the most controversial topic um of all time and i'm, I'm not going to put anyone in particular in the the poo here but we were playing in one of the rounds uh, and an email had gone round to everybody saying here are the rules about gimmies. And then we're playing one of the rounds, and one of the players suggested that perhaps his ball was within gimme range. Uh, and I suggested that no, it's actually outside gimme range as per the email that was sent to everybody. Um, and that was awkward. And I felt like apologising. He felt guilty for asking because he's, he's a very good putter, probably the best putter of all of us. He, and so he's a do friend you tell- of yours. Yes, of course. <laughs> But the, the key question is, how do I tell someone? In fact, there's a point about there was a story about um, another mutual friend of ours who potentially was not given a putt that lipped out and he claimed it was less than a foot and we claim that it was. Anyway, it's a story for another time. How do you call someone out on it? You just say, if you're comfortable having that given to yourself and you can sleep at night, then no problem.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's probably, is it easier with people you know or you're good friends with or harder with people you know?
1: and you're um, It's easier because you can call them out on it. Um, mm. If you're playing with someone that you don't know and they have an expectation. And there was a commentary. I was watching a golf tournament over the weekend and it was interesting. Um, one of the commentators even suggested that, you know, oh, that might be a gimme in your Saturday comp, but it isn't when you're playing professionally. Um, and I was quite horrified by, by that because I'm not aware of gimmies in Saturday comps anywhere when it's competitive. And the whole point is to get the bloody thing in the hole. But if you're playing with someone you don't know, gimmies never come up. I've never had someone I don't know look at me and expect a gimme or ask one because if they, they just take it or they don't take it. Right. Um, so, no, I don't do gimmies. What would you, you do or what did you do?
0: Oh, uh, it was an awkward situation. I don't think I, the, the competitive Fran in me arced up and said I, I don't I don't think I should give you that. And um it kind of all worked itself out as a kind of ah but but I was like no I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected to be given a gimme. So therefore why would I give it?
1: And I think therefore that is your god. Um and this is one of the issues with entitlement these days isn't it is that yes. but but yeah that is your god. If you, if I wouldn't give it to myself why would I give it to you?
0: Yeah. It's just you just um, sound like a brat when you say it especially if you're losing which I was. So
1: um, Did you end up losing or winning?
0: I can't remember. Let's just say then that I lost. If I can't remember, I'm going to guess that I
1: oh, I, I was going to say day. you should win and that was karma. The golf gods, because the golf gods have a way of biting um, <coughs> and biting you back. So gimme's, gimme's complicated. Um, don't ask for one unless you're prepared to give it. Um, I don't. I don't know.
0: I'll i take that as, as golden advice from an expert. Oh,
1: this day. is not working out at all well. I don't have answers <laughs> to anything.
0: <laughs> Um, the other one is, uh, is it lame to have, co- to have colored balls? And I'll tell you why I say this, because, um, a friend, Kelly and I were a person who I play with mainly, we were uh, walking around a golf course, and we saw a man, um, looking for, for a ball, you, you know, he was kind of, you know, looking around, looking for something. And Kelly walked up to him and said, what color are your balls? Mm. and he looked at her with horror and said, "White, why why would I play with any other color?" and then Kelly turned to me and said, "Maybe we're really bogan because we play with colored balls um, and there were very there were many levels to Kelly walking up to a random stranger <laughs> and saying, "What color are your balls?" but um then we decided that maybe playing with pink green and blue was uh, sh- showed that we were beginners showed that we were slightly bogan, maybe would that be true? Do you laugh at people who have coloured
1: balls? <laughs> I'd I laugh at golf innuendo because you can just go on. Benny Hill, if Benny <laughs> Hill wasn't a golfer, he should have been. Um, no, in fact, not only that. So yellow balls uh, um, on the, the Champions Tour, uh, um, so the, the older guys uh, and, and women are used in prevalence. But there's, there's a couple of um, people who are using yellow balls on the main tour, but it's not prevalent because golf is so stuck in where it came from. But if you use color, like the traditionalists say, oh no, it's got to be white. But yellow particularly, or green as my son, young son calls it, yellow, um, stands out. They're easier to find, they, they sort of glow on the fairway, so why wouldn't you use it? There should be no shame at all in using a colored ball. And in fact, I played around where there were four of us and each of us used a different color. And if you ever wanted a belly laugh or something to, to just admire a green is when four balls have come into the green and, and you've got pink, yellow, orange and, and green balls just sitting on the, the green. It's just a, a refreshing attitude and I think it's one of those things that people have to let go of. Um, I would suggest the same person that Kelly had asked about the colour of his nut balls <laughs> may have been a similar type chap who told you that hitting driver on your par three... Was, was not good golf. Not
0: good golf. Yeah,
1: they just exist. Um, but I think what you'll find is the prevalence of coloured balls at public golf courses uh, far greater because people are less caught up in what other people are thinking of me, and more <laughs> caught up in just saying, "Hey, this game's all right," uh, as the way it should be.
0: On the on that same note, do you think it's lame to have a nickname on your printed on your golf balls? Oh, completely. You do.
1: Yes, I, I would not play with anyone who ever had their name on a golf ball. I would actually shun them. And no, I, I wouldn't.
0: I once, I once gave a gift to somebody with a a name on their golf balls. Um, uh, that was a bad decision in hindsight.
1: Why, because you spelt it wrong.
0: No, the, the person never mentioned it again. So I presume they <laughs> right. filed away under lame gifts I've been given.
1: Because you can't trade them in, and there's all these these people, gift recipients, who the first thing they do is they open a gift and they say, I wonder what I can swap that for. Whereas the minute they're customised, this is one of the challenges yeah. of golf balls, the minute they're customised, they've lost options. So lots of well-meaning people give golf balls as gifts. But if you don't know, if you happen to be giving it to a golf snob like me and you don't happen to know the likelihood of me using it, and I open the box thinking I could get 30 bucks for these, and I open the box and it says knobby on it, um, then all of a sudden Nobby's just hitting him into the bush and just trying to Right get, get rid of them all. I think At least that's probably where those golf balls
0: ended up now then. I reckon that's it where it
1: may be either either he had a desperately seeking let's say his name was Nobby, desperately seeking Nobby as a Facebook page, saying, Anyone with a name like Nobby, let me know, I'll give you the golf balls. Um, but would I ever do it? I've only ever had one dozen balls made for me that had big fill written on them and it's still an embarrassment to this time because when I lost them, um,
0: yeah.
1: everyone knew. So why would I want that? That's no, why I don't yeah. even write anything on the uh, golf balls. I was no, going to ask
0: you, do you write anything on them?
1: No. No, because oh, there's a couple of reasons not to. The, the cheat in me, the inner cheat, the inner shooter, as I like to think of myself, says if I put a green circle around the tee on my TP5, mm. and I hit it into the trees and I finish a hole and there's not a green circle around the T on my TP5, there's a fair chance I've cheated. And there's nothing more shattering than knowing that you've put a green mark on a golf ball and going and looking for it and seeing one sitting perfectly that's the same model and the same number and it doesn't have the green it circle. And it just – some things – it's like gimmies. You need to be in denial.
0: On, there, on that kind of – so every time I play a difficult shot across water – or in a difficult shot that I think I'm going to lose my ball. I switch my ball out for a less, um, <laughs> a less expensive ball. Is that – that's okay.
1: That's genius.
0: It kind of ensures I do a bad shot because it's a terrible golf ball. So it's a self-fulfilling pros- prophecy, but um, I don't want to lose my last pink ball. It, it, it takes the
1: pressure off. It's the same as your outstanding swing theory of I don't give a stuff. Piccadilly Circus, Piccadilly Circus, because it means that I don't care if this goes in the water. And the DAV man spoke about embracing your inner negative side as, you know, negative thinking for positive people or something. It was it was one or the other. It was something about pessimism and actually embracing water hazards. But I must tell you this is that I play golf with a spare ball in my pocket because that's a provisional ready to be reloaded and I don't want to waste people's time walking back to the golf bag. So I hit every tee shot with an expectation that I'm going to reload it. So the extra ball sitting in my pocket is my reminder that everything's going to be okay. Like I might have to hit another shot, but at least I won't slow the round down.
0: And you're winning trophies, right? So,
1: Well, it, it was, yes, I was the best of a bad bunch. Yes, I, yeah, yes, that's, I, but I am I'm, winning trophies. It's an, important, it's an important point you make. I am winning trophies. But that whole idea of I'll never use a brand new ball off the first tee oh. because it's going in the trees. Yeah right. Like there are just sometimes over water, over a par three, over water, I will go and look for something that is losable. And that's so. Okay. I think you're close.
0: So would you ever do you buy cheap golf balls? Do you think you play a better game with a more expensive golf ball?
1: Now that that is an excellent question, and here's the the best answer I've ever heard to that is that.
0: So one is if you can afford to
1: do it, who cares? But the the second element, assuming that, the second element is, and it was an analogy that was used many, many years ago when I was at Spalding, was um, we can't all drive a Ferrari as fast as, at the time, Michael Schumacher before the skiing situation. So we can't all drive a Ferrari as fast as Michael Schumacher, but I'm going to drive drive it quicker than a Holden. So a, a premium golf ball Will perform on that one shot where you wished it stopped, particularly on a chip let's say a short chip where you have to hit you have to hit a chip over a bunker um, even you know with Piccadilly Circus or i can 't remember whatever your mate's one was um, but we've got to hit a shot over the bunker, and the ball just pulls up well, the reality is with a cheap ball it'll bounce and keep going, and a good ball is likely to stop but it's it's the ability then to to do it on On command. So your best shot will perform better with a better golf ball. It's just a question of whether you want to lose them.
0: But do you also, on that note, believe that a really good golfer could play with a really bad set of clubs bought off eBay? Do you think it is the golfer that makes the game or how much of it is the club?
1: Well, you know, all... that, that that Yeah, so skill is – so the, the, the skill of the game is in the hitting and a good player will adapt. But if a good player had to – if they rocked up to the first tee and they had a set that they'd just found at cash converters and they had a set that was perfectly fitted for them that was premium and everything was outstanding, they're going to use the better set better. But if you gave them a day or a couple of hours just to, to practice or even an hour, they'd, they'd, they'd get pretty close. I think that's the reality that we never want to admit when it comes to equipment. Yeah is that there's, it's all these emotional reasons to purchase. Like we try and rationalize purchasing of equipment by saying, oh, no, longer, higher, further, faster. And in reality, that, that delivers an element, but it doesn't deliver as much as, gee, they look good. Oh, where'd you get those? Oh, Man, yeah. you, must, you, know, you must be doing all right. You've got a new driver or you've got a new putter or you've got everything else. I mean, it, it, this is an emotional game that we we justify with rationality so we argue because who in reality to pick up two yards on a drive and i'm going to upset all our sponsors here but to pick up two i was going to say you
0: on very thin ice here for a man that has some high level sponsors but i'm i'm here for it so
1: uh, and they are high level and they are high level sponsors but to pick up two yards if you're going to spend 800 bucks for two yards you're not spending 800 bucks for two yards the two yards is actually a benefit but it's one of many benefits of the $800 because a lot of it is because I'm worthy of it because I love the look of it because I like how it feels. I want to keep up with I mean, it's all Maslow. It, it's all yeah, – it's it a is. world of Maslow. That, that is the reality of it. But but it, there may be an opportunity for us to test this affordability thing in Season 3. I'm not making any promises. No. There you go. Um, but, yeah, because because it is something – because golf can be infinitely affordable and this is the other myth about golf being expensive is that it can be infinitely affordable from – there's a guy uh, called Sandy Jamison who's a golf pro at um, Oakley Golf Course in Melbourne, and he's developed, funnily enough, one club, and it's called One Club, that is the loft of a four-iron, shaft length – I'm going to get this wrong, Sandy. Loft of a four-iron, shaft length of a seven-iron, it's got a putter grip on it. So effectively, if you want to learn the game of golf, you can play around with with one one. one club. So, for fifty bucks and a few old balls you're a in right I'm not even sure if they're 50 bucks, but you're away in racing um, just to try and dip your toe in the water or you can go to eBay gumtree um, anywhere else and you so golf can be whatever you want it to be it can be it can be new school or old school, it can be affordable it can be aspirational and this is one of the beauties of the game and you can still compete and I think there's a lot of people who are you know demanding that, that things get wound back a little bit. But in reality, just if you want it wound back, just rock up on the first tee with the stuff that you wished you still had because you've probably still got it because we don't get rid of anything.
0: So, what, you've Have got you started all collecting clubs, clubs? clubs yet? Oh, I've got more than 14 in my golf bag, definitely. Oh. I would <laughs> – <That's> Cheating. <laughs> I, I have fa- – this is shameful to admit, but I have found golf clubs along the way and then meant to hand them in at the pro shop as I leave. <laughs> Never done it. <laughs> uh, I've got like three sandwiches in my bag because of that, but not because I'm a thief, just because I'm forgetful. I'm um, not
1: even editing that out. <laughs> in fact, that is, that is the one sound grab that we're going to use to promote this podcast. Is Fran, who everyone put up on a pedestal because you gave us an insight into what life was like, both for a woman starting in the game and a new player starting in the game,
0: is now who's a common a thief. thief. <laughs> no, I, I will give them back next time I play. Like it's, you know, there's
1: not a chance you're going to give them back next time you play because if <laughs> you're good, going to, <laughs>
0: oh,
1: that's right. Each each of them was actually just the last time you played. So over the course of the round, you picked up three sand irons that you just incidentally forgot.
0: I do have more than 14 cups, but I do have. I have a really good driver which I spent well in your terms in the golf snob terms I spent peanuts on but in my terms I spent it costs double the rest of my clubs and so maybe it's a confidence thing is that I think ah oh, I'm really good at driving because I have this club whether or not that's true or not I don't know but then now I'm trying to apply that to each each club that I want to buy a new 6 iron and um <clears throat> I don't know whether to buy a complete new set of golf clubs or just buy them one club at a time <laughs> uh, and then get good with that club. I, I just don't – I don't know. You know, I don't get my golf clubs fitted. Uh, you know, I didn't when I first bought them, but then everyone I speak to is, well, you need to get every single golf club you play with fitted. Is that true? Yeah, so you're a golf snob.
1: No, no, because I was going to say that it's
0: – You're making out like you keep it real, but you're actually –
1: No, I do keep it real. Because I, I, I think that, again, it's this incrementalism. It's, yes. how much you want to re, it's how much you want to refine it and how much you want to put into it. So my nephew, as an example, wanted, sent me a note saying, I want to buy a new set of clubs. I said, well, that's fun and games. What do you want? Like, how much do you want to spend? I don't know. But I want a set that I can use for five years. Um, so I'm happy to put some money into them, but I want them right for me. And I said, well, therefore, if it's a five-year set and it's a bigger investment, then go the whole hog and get fitted. But it all depends on like if I'm going to play tennis, I apparently you can get fitted for a tennis racket, not that I've ever done it, but I'm not going to go and get fitted for a tennis racket if I need to go and play tennis once a month. I'm going to go and buy a tennis racket that's near enough because so many other things are going on. But if you're in an extreme, for example, if I was I mean not that I would be, like if I was six foot six, or if I was four foot six, then you're at Massive end yeah. of the spectrum, and so it's likely that things are going to need just to be able to get you to cope and hit a golf ball. Um, but if you're in that, in that sweet spot where, and standard's a terrible word, but if you're kind of in that range, um, fitting, I mean, yeah, it's, oh, gee, I really am getting myself into trouble. Oh, it makes an enormous difference. But you have to be prepared to put the work in to match the fitting and the fitted clubs. Oh, God, did I get out of that?
0: Not really, but um, mm. we can gloss over it if you, if you want. So your point
1: um, about a six iron, so therefore do I buy a full set? So the reality is unless your club head speed is significantly higher than yours or mine, you probably won't know a lot of difference between a five, six and a seven iron. So it may well be that if you want – because what you want is consistent distance gaps. I mean there's no point in having two clubs in your bag that go within five metres of each other.
0: I think all my clubs go within. <laughs> Five metres
1: of each. So one club. So carry a driver, a putter, and a sand iron, and your life's fixed. Then you only need to wrap a little bit of Velcro around it. You don't even need a bag. Put a backpack on with your gin and tonics and an egg egg tray full of golf. I go
0: around just uh, just stealing them off
1: golf courses. Yeah, that's right. If you need a sand iron, just steal one out of someone's bag. It seems like you've got a hell of a reputation for doing that already. (laughs) And right now, there's a number. I'm not going to get you to name the courses that you've played, but there's a number of people who are listening to this or know someone <laughs> listening to this going. I bet you that's where your sand iron went, Larry.
0: Very nice, thanks, Mary. It was good. But on that on that note, with equipment costing a lot of money, um, do you think is there an argument for? And I don't genuinely don't know. The um, garments are a cheat's way of playing golf. Like if you're a purist and if you want to play golf. Um, in a very organic, natural way. Isn't it slightly cheating to be able to look at your watch and go, well, da 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 da? Of course it is. But you still use yours? Of
1: course I do. Golf is about the whole thing, game is about contradiction. It is the same people who preach the traditions of the game. I oh, know, but I don't want to wear the clothes they wore. Like, no, no, give me, like, give me some moisture-wicking shirt. I don't want to wear the big cotton shirt and the overcoat that you they wore. You don't
0: make this easier to understand, do you?
1: No, my point is – no, I don't, and that was probably a bad analogy. But the reality is, is that we are hypocritical golfers. And so, yes, the purist would say, oh, you don't need any of those rangefinders or otherwise. So get your expensive golf clubs and put down your expensive new technology golf ball and try and guess how far it is. Um. Well, that just doesn't make any sense. So you can't have one and not the other. So from a garment, from a point of view, what you do need to know, and I think where they're fantastic is how far is it to the front of a green, or how far is it to the back of the green? Because that's then my margin for error. And this is again something that, that um, Kipper and I have spoken a lot about: is just understanding what your gap is, and also if there's water there, so you can panic and reload with an old ball, or you can do all these other bits and pieces, um, but that at the same time there is a lot to be said for training your eye. And even if you have a Garmin, to go out and play golf a couple of rounds, three rounds, four rounds, just using what what Peter Thompson would call eye calibration because um, you can learn a lot about feel and a lot about sense and it actually helps your game exponentially. So even those who use rangefinders and, and GPSs should um, play a couple of rounds, maybe one in every 10, without them and
0: yeah. just
1: get a sense of what, what is going on. But, yeah, hypocrisy is our lives.
0: I would put people who use garments in the same boat as people who have remote-controlled golf bags. Oh. Kelly and I will often say, oh, there's a remoter over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know some people have it for, for health reasons, disclaimer, disclaimer, but um, but... A lot of people just do it so they can show off as they their golf bag steams ahead of them. Uh, um, they are showing off. Yeah. Um,
1: there, there's a passion for the I game. Bet, you the
0: have me. one? I bet you have one. No. Do you? No. Sorry. Of
1: course I don't. Huh. How dare you? How dare <laughs> you even suggest that I'd have an electric buggy, which would actually make me less tired at the end of, A round of golf would make my life easier, would allow me just to enjoy walking along and enjoying nature as opposed to having to push this heavy buggy. Yeah, but people
0: don't do that, do they?
1: No. But, but the, no, they're not in the same boat. These are not, these are not the same people.
0: Do you have any, do you ever look at anyone on a golf course and think, oh, they're one of those people because they have something? What would your something be?
1: Um, So here's the best example of my something is that I was playing golf with, um, Funnily enough, at a public golf course. <gasps> I
0: didn't know. Out in hives. <laughs> I
1: know. I couldn't believe it myself. I think <laughs> I got lost. Um, and I've got a, a pair of Jordan golf shoes.
0: Oh.
1: And one of the gentlemen I was playing with was… I the, would have judged uh, you for that. What? No, no, I'm not judging myself.
0: I but would have I
1: would have. We we're, were playing golf and um, <laughs> he, he was beautifully dressed golfer, very traditional… Looking collar down, everything tucked in nicely, belt the, the whole lot. And after about seven holes, he said, "Is there a basketball on your shoes?" So from that moment, I judged him. He was <laughs> just because you can't. It's and I said, "No, it's not a basketballer, actually. It's the."
0: It's the. the there's
1: a big difference between A and the. Uh, and I said, and he loves golf. Um, but I, I look at people with staff bags. There's a tall friend of ours who's got a. Big brand on the side of his bag.
0: I can tell you a a fairly amusing story about um, a staff hat, in fact, is that when uh, I first started playing, um, Kelly, who I met, bought a golf bag from the golf course we were learning in and um, it it fell to bits, genuinely fell to bits and and they were really slow at uh, replacing it. And uh, she was very, very patient, I felt, far more patient probably than I would have been. But when they eventually replaced it, they gave her a Wilson staff hat to kind as a make good. And we both looked at it and said, oh, no, <laughs> that must be a freebie that they get because they're on staff. And <laughs> we didn't understand <laughs> for months because I'm not wearing a hat that makes me look like I work for Wilson. Then we worked out what it was actually all about. But no
1: brand brand who cares about who cares, who cares about brand
0: we just we just don't care about anything like that we're not we're not golf snobs
1: but i think these are the layers we spoke about after the last podcast about how many layers golf has and i i led you down a path because i wanted to know an opinion about sponsors about sponsorship um and even about all this other stuff going on with the middle east and golf and saudi arabia and you, and you quite rightly said that's something you hadn't necessarily considered because at the moment golf is just the game you play for the for the belly laugh with kelly that's your sort of depth of engagement is that right uh,
0: well after we had that conversation i did look into this a bit more and i was reading something this week about some comments i think greg norman made earlier or last week this week or something um so it, it it's not on my radar but it is fairly fascinating as a new person to golf to to see what you know i think as you as the more golf you play the the when you first start to play golf, you're very blinkered and I hit it, I go there and I, I I want to get around this golf course in one piece. I don't want anyone to really sus that I'm a beginner i it's quite stressful, but as you play more and more, I guess you're as in anything, your lens widens out and you see more and more things go on. I'm still you know judging people fairly hard on the golf course when they wear, when they wear Jordan shoes, but (laughs) I would, um, yeah, it it is, it's like any sport though, I guess now. Then the more money that goes into it, the more, you know, people's, you know, people are attracted by money, right? Players are attracted by big money and why would they turn down big money, you know, I think there was a few players this week that said that, like, why would I ever willingly turn down a lot of money to, it's my livelihood, why would I do that? And the question is because you're playing in a country with serious human rights violations or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, an, it's an area that I don't, I haven't thought about greatly, but I guess as the more I play, then the more you start thinking and looking around and have these conversations.
1: And I think your description of, of the layers was the right one is because at the moment, so you've got your playing layer and then, you, and then it's almost this imagery of, of peeling something back going, oh, what's underneath? The, oh, that's professional golf. You know, and then you know a bit of a deep dive down in there, and then what's and what's behind it, because there are and, and I've banked on probably far too much about that, because there was a lot of negativity about these players going to play in Saudi Arabia, um, and the money that's backing Norman and the money that's backing the Asian tour um, and all these other elements. And then we, as I said, post podcast, we bring that back to something a bit more local, where I asked you if would you be comfortable. Winning a competition run by a governing body, sponsored by Qatar Airways, at a local level, promoting women's golf.
0: What did I say then?
1: Well, what are you going to say now?
0: <laughs> uh, probably not. Now I've looked into it. When you asked me before, I probably would have said I'd have just been happy to win a competition. I <laughs> yes, what, happy to win that, a that competition. was
1: your answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm I'm going to you know make no bones about it. If I won a competition, I my care factor for that would probably be shamefully, shamefully low. But that doesn't mean it's the right answer. I just want to win a competition. Had I won 15 competitions before that, I would give, a, you know, presumably a very different answer.
1: Which then gets back to the traditionalist using the GPS. And this this is that, that element of, of – because uh, hypocrisy exists in a lot.
0: But is it hypocrisy or is it just technology is moving in line and – golf is moving in line with technology, and like as in any sport? as in when you watch the Winter Olympics and people are disqualified for wearing certain suits that are meant to give them more lift. 20 years ago, that technology for those suits didn't exist. So isn't golf just, you know, you say it's hypocrisy, but isn't it just moving with the times?
1: Um, Yes, it it is moving with the times if the people who are wearing the suits are not saying, I'll never wear that suit, and then going out and buying the skis that do the same thing. So you either either go, Miko, I was going to say, Niemanen. I'm sure there was a and at one stage he was a downhill ski jumper, but but you like either go like they back, would be. you go to back to wooden skis in floppy not quite so Lycra Eddie the Eagle style um, or you embrace or you embrace the whole lot and it's that difficulty isn't
0: it It's like swimming and you know race suits and you know <clears throat> that was considered cheating with the you know when Ian was started wearing them I don't know I, I don't I don't. Pl- I wouldn't buy a Garmin, but that's probably because I'm not a good enough golfer to justify going. Well, I that's going to give me however many more yards on my shot. I don't. I don't play that kind of game of golf.
1: I hope you don't play that. Would you like to know if you were playing a course you'd never played before, and there was a big lake in front of the green that you couldn't see? Would you like to know that lake was there?
0: I play every game of golf as if I don't know the golf course. So <laughs> even if I do know the golf, it's always a constant surprise to me that there's a there's a a, a willoware golf club we call it the river and it's probably a stream maybe that that big um it's always a constant surprise to me when i round the corner that that (laughs) that it's still there even though it was there last week um maybe but it wouldn't be would it would it would i be annoyed if i if i didn't know it was there no i I genuinely wouldn't i would think that's part of golf and oh what do you know there's a bloody big lake i've got to get round.
1: well you'd be annoyed if one of your new pink balls went in there and you didn't have a chance to swap Uh, out an old one
0: I've, yes, I've lost too many pink balls to, um, to ever buy any more pink balls. Now, now I just buy white ones or, or I was going to say or steal them when I see them on the ground, but I don't want to become this person <laughs> who <laughs> is not allowed on golf courses because they're thieving.
1: No, although you're painting a hell of a picture
0: I really am I really I am. don't
1: want to be the person who walks up to a golf ball and just picks it up because no, it's but, there
0: you've done that in your time. you see a golf ball there's no one around no i' um
1: you you there there is a three hundred and sixty degree check and then a likelihood checker so, so you so have
0: done it right look at you you you're judging me here, but you you're saying, oh yeah there's, a you. yeah there's a there's a three hundred and sixty degree you. You regularly steal golf balls, I'm sure. If
1: so the first thing you do, the first thing you do is you arrive at a golf ball that is not yours. You you hypothesise it to where it potentially could have come from, and if there's a likelihood it could have come from somewhere on the course, um, realistically, then you leave it alone. But if you look around and you say, "Well, I'm the only person out here," um, and it's of an equivalent because I'm a golf snob, and if it's an equivalent standard. So this is where I get into trouble, as I've declared before. If it's a ball that I would use and all the other tick boxes have been checked, it is likely that that then gets picked up and put in my golf bag.
0: Okay, so which are the brands that that you would use and which are the brands that you would never – I guess you can't because you're sponsored by a lot of brands so you're you're on very thin ice again.
1: Already. Um, Let me just say there are some golf balls that I wouldn't – not that I'm a good golfer, but you get used to using a certain level of golf ball, which was your earlier question about a $3 ball versus a $7 ball. Mm. If I come across a ball that is not in my category, forgetting brand, but if it's not in my category, um, there's often a chance where I'll grab it and throw it further into the woods. Or what? I'll just leave it for someone else. Oh, yeah, no, I've done some things like that. I, I've, there's some resentment that I've held for a couple of brands over the journey whereby I would quite happily pick up their ball and just throw it in the middle of the trees. Wow. Because I don't want anyone to have the opportunity to use that. I want them all to feel my pain. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm a complete dickhead. I, I, there's so many issues I've got that, that impact on the game. But as you talk, you know, when you're peeling back layers, once you've picked up the political layer, then you pick up a shithead layer. And so yeah. I've played golf for so long that I've now moved into –
0: so the you are one of those, you wouldn't say to somebody that they're not playing good golf if they used a driver on a par three.
1: Not only that, I would say they've played outstanding golf. And, in fact, I would probably be jealous of the fact that maybe I should have used a driver on the par three
0: yes.
1: too. And, again, because of your podcast, I just want you to know, season, there's a lot of content in season three of our show that is on the back of your podcast, including Kipper and I, playing a par three just with Woods. Wow. Um, to see what, what happens, to see how it extrapolates it out because we never would have thought about it. But, but I think this is the beauty of golf is that however you want to play it because golf traditionally was played along the ground until Alan Robertson and Irons came along in the mid-1800s um, and then all of a sudden golf with a changing golf ball started being played through the air. So, right. so golf in the air is only 170 <coughs> years of a 600-year-old game. So there's there's ways and means.
0: I wonder what the next thing will be then. Like how will it evolve?
1: Um, Or has it reached
0: the point of peak evolution?
1: That's a, a really good question. I think that, and I think this leads to one of the other things about rules, is that they can manipulate a change in the game by changing the rules. So they can actually choose to wind the game back. They can say golf balls can now go no longer than 80% of their current distance or that drivers can no longer be 460 cc's and now must be 360, um, which then changes the game. But the essence remains the same where you tee off and you get in the hole. But the way it is achieved Mm. um, adapts and changes. And I think that's why it's so fascinating when you watch European tour golf men or women, and then you watch US golf, men or women, and the game's not played the same way because one is windy and hard and runs out and the other one is lush. Yes. Um, so I think the game is already kind of evolving. I, I don't know. That's far too philosophical question for what I was expecting today and I'm disappointed that you didn't preempt that one <laughs> with a thought because that's really concerned me.
0: As technology evolves, surely so will golf. Somebody will come up with something that's allowed in the rules that people 40, 50 years ago would have said that's, you know, that's cheating, like a Garmin. Or- like a
1: Garmin. Well, the reality is, is that I've had the joy through a gentleman by the name of Ross Baker of actually going through a range of golf clubs from the turn of the century and late 1800s. And it would be fair to say there are not many new ideas, but there are new materials and ways of delivering an idea. I mean, he was showing me metal woods from 1895. He was showing me rescues or hybrids from about the same era. Um, Moveable weight, um, you know, when it comes to woods and things. So it's um, so it's not so much the ideas are fresh, but the technology has allowed it to be fresh, and we're using tungsten and titanium and carbon and all those things now. So I think there's. So I think will golf evolve? It just continues to be the game that it is. With new people coming into the game ensures that it has to stay at a certain level. I don't know. That's yeah. It's far too philosophical. I might have to next time we do this that topic. I'm going to have to probably have a glass of wine in front of me because it's where are we? Jeez, the the, the night's found me. Golf.
0: There you go. Uh, the other question I had for you, which which has come up since I last spoke to you, in fact, is when you're in a bunker and you're trying to get out, and for whatever reason you can't get out. How many tries should you give it before you pick the ball up, put it in your pocket, and walk away? You should <coughs>
1: – oh, there a, there's a whole Adolf Hitler thing there. there there's a – What? In terms of shots in the bunker.
0: Oh, I um, see. Sorry.
1: There's a – I think until you're holding up the gun, because it's about learning – So I think if two people are playing, let's say you're playing with Kelly uh, and there's a group behind you um, of grumpy men hitting up on you uh, and then trying to chat you up Um, and so things that, and you're falling a little way behind, then you'd probably have two or three and pick it up. I think you'd never have any more than four or five, but this is what learning is about. So as long as you're not slowing the game down and holding anyone up, like it's not actually a problem. I think what happens in the bunker is you'll hit a bad one And it'll get into a crappy lie, and your care factor actually goes down with each one, not up. And as your care factor goes down, it looks like you're just playing in the sand. Yes. And that's the the perception of it. But I I I would think. How many do you take?
0: Oh it's a mixed bag, that that question. I would say three on a bad day. Would see you out. Yeah. Bit of swearing, bit of shouting goes on. Um, but after that, I would pick up and move on. I would think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I played the best of me in that hole. I'm only going to get more frustrated. Whereas a person who I played golf with is, I'm, no, I'm here until it gets out. I'm, I'm, this is me now. If it takes ten, if it takes fifteen, I'm not. Even if it slows the game down, I'm just going to keep on you know, racking away.
1: So one of the beauties of that, just just because bunkers, I think this is a, a, a really interesting place to be. One of the things about that is that as you make footmarks, the ball will inevitably roll back at some point in time into the footmarks, which makes things infinitely trickier. Um, would I ever advocate just staying in there until it comes out? No, because with every bad shot, the anger level rises and the likelihood of a good shot, disappears and not only that, when you finally get it out, you're likely to have hit it so far over the green, you're then going to take an hour and a half coming back.
0: Well, yes. Our, our bunker play is not great only because when we first learned, we were taught to make a line in the sand and then hit the line to get the ball out. We didn't realise for a long time that that wasn't actually allowed, that that was illegal. So we were busy drawing our line and hitting our ball and only – Somebody very kindly pointed out to us during a game once that that's actually technically not allowed to draw a line and then hit the line rather than the ball.
1: No, it's not allowed in a comp, but it, this is about learning. And so this is one of the, the biggest challenge. which well, I this think this was a comp of, that we were playing. I have oh, well, point. if it's a comp, yeah. Then, then, yeah. I, I mean, it's the same thing as gimme. So in a comp, gimmies do not exist. Yeah. So therefore, that addresses the initial question about gimmies, But no, there is a point where in a competition these are the rules and these are the parameters, whether they're nice, whether, whether they're appropriate or not. But um, but as for outside of a comp, what it's whatever it takes to learn the game. Mm. Just don't hold up the group in front of you, or the, oh, sorry, the group behind you who are hitting up, because in, inevitably that's when angst arises and the likelihood of being handed golf balls in an egg tray or, or a beer start to, start to dwindle. But I think the reality is, is there are so many, I mean, we're, there's a list of fifty things that are these quirks and misconceptions or, or myths about the game, and the reality is, is that when it comes to golf, your journey is to discover what each of them are and then to come up with your own conclusion about what the solution is, is I think ultimately because you're still I'm still finding things that we're trying to test the whole time i mean, there's the one that's always bugged me is that meeting people for the first time. Saying, oh, you play golf, oh, you must hit it a long way because I'm tall. And there is a myth that immediately because you have longer levers, you hit the ball further. And there's real shame in not. Uh, and so I'm trying to constantly ask him, Kipper, give me other reasons why I can't hit the ball very far that
0: and what are does excuses he say?
1: I can throw at people. What was that?
0: And what does he say? He
1: doesn't give me any good answers. Uh, he, he just throws in and Tiger Woods drops a couple of gnomes and. And away you go. So, when is your? What are your goals for golf for twenty twenty two? Where where's golf going to take you this year?
0: Well, I thought after the last podcast, this mythical person who was going to invite me to play at the Australian or New South Wales would appear. Sadly, I think that person may still uh, be out there somewhere and hasn't hasn't come forward yet. So, I still want to play on. A very nice golf course that's that's always been my goal, but I would like to start maybe playing in some women's comps um, to just to kind of broaden my game, I guess a bit I think um, you know you say you you watch and you learn. I always find that I do do that um, i'm I'm constantly watching people um, in front of us and behind us so that that would be that would be my aim, but also to um, to to play 18 holes of golf and not make it feel like a bloody marathon as well. Like I play nine holes quite comfortably, but 18 is, is a bit of a slog for me. Um, so that that's another aim that I have. But to just build in confidence, you know, I think we spoke last time about how I don't feel like I'm a proper golfer, but I'm a beginner golfer and I've been a beginner golfer for a very long time. I'm like one of those kids that repeats, you know, yeah. Year six constantly. But, um, yeah, it's it's they're not big goals, but I do want to actually turn up on a private golf course, feel very comfortable, play it a semi-average game and not be laughed out of the, the club.
1: As long as you're not wearing shorts and black socks with black
0: shirt. <laughs> Indeed. But why are that? why – like somebody was also telling me recently that there is a golf course in Scotland, I believe, where women – there's a separate women's entrance. I don't know the name of it but there is a golf course exists um why do you think that golf gets caught it gets stuck in in this you have to wear white socks on a golf course you know you have to wear a collared shirt you have to you can't wear your hat inside the the club well, why why is the etiquette and tradition so important in you know i understand maybe in scotland Slightly more, but in in Australia, why would that be? I,
1: I think so. The, the The fundamental answer is things are changing, but it's one of the things. It's one of the things. The decorum of the game is what separates it, and the decorum of, of the the clubs and everything else is what separates it from other games. The question is, does it hold it back?
0: Separates us from the animals.
1: Of course. Um, but I think that when you think about dress code, um, you've even got some of the finest golf courses in Australia now saying, I don't care what you wear, just make it look good. So if you actually look like you've come ready to play, that the most private of clubs. If you want to wear black socks, that's no problem. They have to match your... Oh, it's kind of implied, just make sure they match your outfit. Don't don't look like a, a knob. And I think that's something that, that, particularly at a private golf course, people like the fact that they know that people are going to turn up and not feel uncomfortable, but but be a bit bit more relaxed. I think the hat's indoors, as I'm wearing a hat sitting indoors. um, I think that's just been – that's not a golf thing. That My rule – I don't know when I was taught that, and it was probably by my grandfather – was you walk inside and your hat's off 100% of the time without question. Um, And do I think, therefore, that's holding the game back? No, I don't, because I actually like – I like the traditions, but I think we need to loosen them up to embrace – New golfers everywhere. And I think this is the role of public golf is public golf allows people to get a taste for the game, fall in love with the game, and then decide where they want to take the game. Uh, and so when we hear of golf courses under threat, the game's actually under threat because that is the, that is the perfect feeder. Um, and I like getting dressed up. And when you get invited to go and play one of these golf courses, where? you too will look forward to reading. Yeah, it is a wet. But I think the first thing you'll do is look at what the dress code and I think you'll be excited about.
0: planning oh 100% playing the outfit. Yeah. The hypocrisy here is I haven't been so I'm slamming it but ha- if I was <laughs> I would then jump on that bandwagon and be uh, there are standards and we should all, you know, n- not that there's a separate entrance for women in a in a um, and that may be an yes, urban a yeah, you know, yeah. golf myth I don't know. But um
1: It's not. It's not and that's one of the problems. So when things are as extreme as that, it's a significant it is a significant issue because we're we're trying to grow the game, and the hope is is that the, the the balance within it grows. But we are trying to grow the game and get more people into it. But more importantly, we're trying to nurture the game. And I think this is a, a really important distinction. Grow just means grow. Nurture means feed and 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 nudge along and ensure everyone's doing things um, appropriately. I think though,
0: that phrase does get overused. Trying to grow the game it does. Like I was reading some of the. Um this golfer's talking about playing in um, Saudi Arabia and they're saying, oh, we're just trying to grow the game, we're just trying to, you know, make the game more accessible, we're just trying to, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can apply that 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 phrase to anything you do in golf is that like, I'm just trying to grow the game.
1: Um, and and grow, the, the issue I've got with grow, uh, and I don't want to get bogged down in this, but the issue I've got with grow is it doesn't refer to anyone who's currently playing. So Nurture says, I'm going to wrap, the game's going to wrap their arms around current players, and new players and Grow the Game just says, no, we're just going to throw a bunch of new people at it. And what happens with anything is you get a bunch of new customers and you get an enormous amount that just taste it and bounce off and, and mm. go back and there's nothing sustainable about it. And It is a, it is a rubbish tap-in, it is a gimme hashtag that does not have enough belief behind it when, when really retention and making sure that you get your opportunity to play a private golf course making sure that you play an 18-hole golf course without being a marathon, but that's not growing the game. That's nurturing it and ensuring that you stay with it for the rest of your life. And it's a far more – and Mike Clayton's um, been the best one and best proponent of this idea of nurture the game, don't, don't grow it. Well,
0: if somebody because, wants to nurture my game by, uh, you know – offering me a game at the Australian, I'm I'm you know, I'm really welcoming my game to be nurtured right now.
1: Okay. How about we put a shout out anyone who would like to nurture <laughs>
0: that anyone that would like to nurture Fran's no. game <laughs>
1: by inviting her to play the Australian or Concord or the Lakes, Raw Sydney <laughs> okay. or somewhere in Sydney, would be very welcome and you can send your nurturing emails to Swagger and invitations to Swagger at golfbarons.com um, and we will pass- We may
0: just break the internet with this.
1: We, it, there's no doubt this is going to be a Wreck-it Ralph <laughs> situation, uh, but we will we will vet the invitations and we will ensure that an appropriate one I'm is delivered.
0: I'm not desperate. I don't want to sound too desperate.
1: No, that's right. You're not Kelly, but the um, <laughs> we will we will vet the invitations and we'll ensure that the right invitation comes across your desk to be invited to play a premium golf course so you can taste what it's like to panic about what you're wearing <laughs> and yeah. what entrance you should be going in. Um, but I think as a goal and as a, a bit of a snapshot in time, I think we'll, we'll leave it there, um, yes. Fran, because I think it's, it, it, what it does is it shows us how many quirks and questions that you have with the game and I can assure you that there's going to be more of them, not less, and every time you play golf there'll be more. Why does that happen and why does that happen? And no one has the answers to all the them other than Tree, uh, a mutual friend of ours. He, he does have the answers to everything. But swagger at Golf Barons for anyone who would like to invite Fran the Night Sheen for a game of golf. Uh, So you started it.
0: I know. Any of the
1: premium golf courses from anywhere, we'll take anywhere from Monash to all the way down to Royal Sydney, and I don't mean down in terms of standard, everybody, um, the Australian Concord, the Lakes. um, It would be a delight to give Fran her first taste of premium golf.
0: Wow. And on that note... I just look really desperate on on a national, international podcast, but, On well, an
1: international podcast, Needs you must. did. Yes, you did. And that was your gift to us. No, so on that note, we'll bring this Golf Barons Tenuous Links podcast to a close. Thank you, Fran the Night Sheen, for joining us again with some of your quirks and misconceptions about the game of golf and a general good chat. And we do want to uh, keep in touch with you about what's going on with your golf game um, as you progress and whether or not you're meeting your goals. Um, you can subscribe to get all um, podcast updates on golfbarons.com. Season three is in production um, and will be hitting the screens in the next couple of months. Uh, and until next time, Barons, add some swaggity swag.